Come on in, sit back and relax. Welcome to episode 178 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. This podcast features interviews, news, analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. And this episode is part of our ongoing series on RIA aggregators. And I was able to um, secure an interview with Doug Besso, CTO of Hightower. Doug has over 30 years of experience in financial services, and I like him because he's a comp sci major. We got to stick together, us computer science guys. Uh, Doug, before uh, his 11 years at Hightower, he was head of IT at Calamos Investments and spent 10 years at Wachovia Securities, to name a few. So this is a really uh, fun interview. I got into a lot of um, interesting stuff about the core aspects of the, the Hightower tech platform, but was interested to hear how firms are building out their own uh, custom advisor platforms using a combination of off-the-shelf tools and uh, internally built technology. Uh, We will talk about the build versus buy question, and then about fitting in all the different pieces to building a unique experience for advisors. And if you are an executive of a wealth tech firm that's selling software to RIAs, broker-dealers, asset managers, TAMPs, or others, then you should run, not walk, to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and fill out the Get In Touch form on our homepage. Our industry experts can deliver a wide range of advice, including competitive analysis, new product evaluations, market insights, and strategic advice. Every vendor needs these things to be successful, especially when entering new markets. And you can get on the right track by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. One quick housekeeping note before we continue, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Now, let's kick this thing off. I am pleased to introduce our next guest on the program. It is Doug Besso, CTO of Hightower Advisors. Doug, welcome, man. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me on. I'm so glad that we could coordinate this and get you on the program. I've been trying to get you over here for quite some time. Where are you calling in from today? Well, I am uh, taking advantage of the, the Hightower. Um, we have a high flex model, so I am uh, on the road. Um, enjoying a month away from Chicago, the cold winters in Chicago, and I'm currently in uh, Siesta Key, Florida. That is awesome. I'm a little jealous. I am uh, also traveling. I'm in London, and the weather is not as nice here as it is down there for you. <laughs> no doubt. So you get to enjoy that. But let's, let's jump right in. Can you please give us a quick 30-second elevator pitch for High Tower Advisors for anyone living under a rock who doesn't know who you guys are? Great. So, yeah. So, Hightower, we are a 15-year-old firm. Uh, we're made up of about 130 practices uh, operating under a single ADV. Uh, and what you know, the, from a technology standpoint, we provide the platform that our advisors use to um, for their clients and for the advisors to operate their business. Terrific. So, the purpose of the, this uh, interview, we're talking about um, obviously from the technology point of view, as a CTO of, of one of the fastest growing firms in the country, in our space, uh, we're talking about, if we were at a roundtable discussion with other CTOs, what's some of the things you would share uh, about uh, how you built your um, your technology stack? And there's a lot going on there. So one of the first things you said was uh, to start with is what's your core? Can you explain what that means? What's your core? What are some of the things you would think about when you're building a new, if you're building, if you're starting from scratch, what would you do? Yeah, and we did build from scratch, right? So it's really, it's a, it's a relevant question about our history. Um, and it really started with the client, um, knowing who your client is. Um, and for us, the client is both the advisor, since we are made up of, of 
uh, a collection of independent practices that we operate uh, together. Uh, and then it's the end client, right? So the advisor is servicing their end client and having information around that and centering everything you do about the experience that the client has and the advisor has, has allowed us to integrate a platform where we can have a common center, which is always uh, the client in focus. Um, and it enables you to do navigation, to share data, to make sure you're always looking at the same thing, but not have to build everything yourself, right? Have vendors and different parts of your ecosystem talk to each other from that client-centric standpoint. So that was the first bet we made uh, was centering everything around the client and then making sure you gather as much data as possible about both the advisors and the clients so that you could enhance the experience. And one of the first uh, bets you made was on a CRM and you guys uh, chose Salesforce. Can you talk a little bit about why you chose that and how you've you've used it and leveraged it in your in your uh, tech stack? Right, right, yeah, and I think you know making a bet on something is is really important. So you know, in in the the time frame that we we partnered with Salesforce, uh, it was about the ecosystem, not just the CRM. You know, we never looked at it as a CRM. Um, the ecosystem of having a platform where you can build and build applications and build integrations was really important to us. Uh, because you don't want to be passing data between all your platforms. Um, you want to be integrating data between the platforms. Um, and that having an ecosystem that was already established um, and we're going to be survivable was really important to us. And when we went out in the marketplace, uh, just about every vendor we worked with um, or wanted to work with had an integration to Salesforce, was going to have an integration to Salesforce on the roadmap and recognize that that partnership to them was going to be very important to their ability to, you know, to operate within the ecosystem of wealth management. So I think that was critical to us um, because we really wanted to make sure that everything we built and the people, we, the vendors we worked with, while they may come and go, that we'd have that common center uh, that we'd be able to navigate through. And Salesforce has worked very well for that. And you've taken Salesforce to the next level. It's not just your CRM, but you've also built a lot of applications inside Salesforce. Correct. Yeah, we built over a dozen applications um, from client agreements, um, the whole revenue process and how we uh, manage revenue for all those independent firms because they're all uh, collecting revenue in, in different ways and be able to do those calculations. We wanted to be able to have that center run through Salesforce. Uh, we've created a workflow uh, within the Salesforce ecosystem and being able to visualize a workflow tool um, that allows our practices to share common things, but also unify them and unify the processes together. Um, so that's been a big, uh, something we did probably in the last four or five years, it's been one of the biggest hits. Um, and that's all done within the Salesforce, um, clear, you know, we, the system we use is called clear, um, that we, that we've built, but uh, we've done that all within that clear ecosystem. And the advantage there is you get a seamless navigation and it seems as though it's one system to advisors. Yeah, correct. I mean, I think it's it's really important when you're, especially when you're taking a, a bunch of in the RIA space, right? Everybody wants to have some identity and and available ability to run a practice um, with some independence, but it should always feel like Hightower. It should have a common um, look and feel to it. Uh, the navigation should be seamless. It should be more than just single sign-on. Um, it's a matter of keeping data in context. And when you have a client up in one system, you want to go into another. Um, that client information should be not have to be retyped. It should come up, um, and the advisor can navigate between those two those two experiences. But it should look and feel the same. Data should be the same. If you can get um, the context of how 
um, the client's going to appear, you want it to be universal. Um, and that even extends out to the client experience, right? So we've done things at the client level. You want the what the client sees to be uh, going between different platforms. It should it should look and feel the same. And, and really that, that center has allowed us to do that. Indeed, and that was a, a great choice. And also something we recommend as well, all else being equal, it's always better to have one platform for everything. Even though you could have built these different applications in different technologies or other, other different systems, building them all in Salesforce, there were some limitations, but you have one database for everything. Yeah, correct. Yeah, there's nothing worse than data being out of sync and then we get two pieces of information that are different because of timing or anything else. Yeah, if it's coming from the same place, there's there's really not um, not the risk of the data not being universal. Exactly. All us all us being equal, keep one platform. Correct. Let's talk a bit about um, filling in the pieces of IP. Uh, so you mentioned building unique experiences. And so you built a lot inside Salesforce. How did you make those experiences unique? How did you bring in your own IP to build this experience that was different from other firms? Yeah, I think the first thing is being realistic about the marketplace. So, you know, rather than trying just to find ways to be unique, you know, we looked at where the market was very well served. And you can call those commodity. I, I don't want to <laughs> insult a vendor by saying what they have as a commodity, but it's a commodity to us. We can buy it. It's it's very well done. Um, there's no purpose in us trying to recreate that and and incrementally improve it would be very risky. So you want to consume those things and take advantage. And if anything, have your have those vendors compete for your business so that you get um, economies of scale and pricing, and you get them to create the features that you want, you would have created anyway. Um, what that leaves you with is, and you can call it the 80-20 rule, the 90-10 rules, you know, leaves you with that, that bit that's in between there that you think is really unique to the way you run your business. Um, and there's certainly things in our business that are, that are unique in the way we've set up and run uh, independent practices that are running under a single ADV. Uh, there's a lot of things we want to do centralized to bring down cost and efficiency but also offer a lot of enhanced features and flexibility. So how we did that was to find the applications and the things that we needed to build, um, and then to create unique experiences. I already kind of alluded to the one on workflow was, was something where we just, uh, we had some really good ideas about how we wanted to do things and the core of the CRM just didn't allow you to do that. So we created a, a visual um, workflow system that allows you to drag and drop things and move things around and see what people are working on and create those common tasks and do it in a way that just, it just makes it so much easier than trying to go in and manage tasks at the CRM level. Um, and it worked really well for us and we can share those around the entire firm. So it really gives you the ability to do that. Um, I think other areas of collaboration is, you know, there's nothing better than sharing and seeing what people are doing. And Salesforce is great at that, right? Cause they've already got chatter built within the Salesforce system. So, taking something like chatter and making it a centerpiece of our core platform where people can talk to each other and ask questions and share ideas has been a huge part of our culture um, because we really do want to collaborate. And, and sometimes that's advisors talking to advisors and not having someone in corporate try to interpret that or pitch that we're all working together all the time. And, and chatter really brings that ability out and we use that across the firm. One thing you mentioned was avoiding incremental improvements. And that's such an important point. We see a lot of firms spending 
big dollars, not on innovative features, but on incremental improvements. How did you come up with that and, and avoid that trap? Yeah, it, it, you know, I think it's experience. Um, so having you know come from the wirehouse world many years ago, where we had to build a lot of things ourselves because of the scale, um, you start to realize that at the end of the day, the system that you have wasn't the best in the market. Um, and you spend a lot of time and dollars just trying to keep pace with that innovation that others were already doing. So I think once you get your focus narrowed into the things you really want to do, it allows you to be creative um, and create that and be agile. Um, and, and then I think the other thing is listening. You know, we listen to our advisors and they know the business way better than I'm ever going to. I've been doing this my whole career, but I'm not an advisor, right? I, I can take great ideas from advisors and, and put them together um, and take our technology team, which is also fantastically talented, um, and our marketing people um, and people across the firm, and we can create really good ideas um, because we can collaborate like that. So I think listening and the ability to respond rapidly uh, because we're agile has really helped us create things um, collectively that we never would have done as individuals. Uh, really, really powerful. And you know, I think we all know that the power of many is always going to be stronger than the power of one. Absolutely. And it's, it's so important to be able to, to be able to visualize where you want to bring innovation, where you want to um, avoid that and just and, and use what the vendors have. And something you mentioned earlier, you were apologizing for calling these, some of these platforms commodities. No, they, they understand their commodities. You know, I, I wrote an article five, four years ago now that 50 portfolio management platforms can't all survive. Right? We have so many of everything. That some things have become a commodity. It's up, but it's like, like you said, let the vendors compete for your business. It's up to them to come up with ways to differentiate that you can then leverage. Right. That's no, very fair. Let's move on to another topic, which I think is on a lot of CTOs' minds, which is buy versus build. So, how do you make decision? Obviously, with Salesforce, you, you bought and built. But how do you other how do you decide other areas where you might just build from scratch versus buying? What's some of your your key um, areas of, of of deciding that making that, that that question answered? Yeah, no, it's 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 the hardest one. Um, but I, I think it starts with you know we build a three year roadmap. So I think the first thing is having a vision of where you want to be, and by going out three years, I wish I could go out five, but five gets really tough, and when you're you know you're basing it on technology, so. I think a solid three-year vision of where we think we want to be in three years, is something we update every year. Um, it takes into factors, things that are going on in the, in the outside world, as I like to say, not just the wealth management space, but just technology innovation that's, that's, that's out there that we maybe want to bring into our firm because we think it could be a competitive advantage or just something our, our clients and our advisors are going to want to, want to have. And then others are things that are happening within, within the business. You know, what's, what's, you know, it could be a, pl a planning. We want to do something on the planning side. It could be, like you said, there's performance reporting and some innovations on platforms out there that we want to make sure we get in there. You know, alternative investments right now and alternative marketplaces are huge in our business. So how we're going to integrate and talk to those platforms is something that we want to make sure we're, we're laying out in our roadmap. Um, so once we have the roadmap, then it's a matter of trying to find out those things that are available in the marketplace versus the things that are just not. Um, and I think we, we try to make conscious decisions on that and, 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 and always evaluating vendors. 
Um, and then we talked about the efficiencies or the IP that you can create as the last pieces. Where do we really think we have a different view and it's something we don't wanna have someone build for us that we really think we can build it better. Um, we can create it the way we want to, to run our business. And it's gonna have a return for our advisors and our clients. Um, because if it doesn't have that return, then we shouldn't be doing it. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a multi-step process that takes a lot of, a lot of thought and debate and we love active debate. So I think as you work through the process, um, ensuring that people are communicating, you're very clear in your vision, you know how it fits into your roadmap, and then you wind down to, to the things you're actually gonna focus and, and execute on, which becomes your, you know, your one-year plan. When you are looking at the ROI of technology, how what's a rule of thumb you use for deciding whether or not the ROI will be enough for you to build something versus yeah, that's no, that's a great question um, because you know sometimes it's it's a you can do a, a quick financial model on ROI and say look this is going to have a payback of you know let's just say it's less than a year right that's fantastic so those become no brainers I can do this I can either save money it's really hard to say I'm going to generate you know revenue because that's you're always taking a little bit of risk the revenue will will materialize but I you know I think if you can find things that mathematically work and we always have some of those on the table then it's great. Um, there's things that reduce risk and we're, we are all in a risk management business. So in some cases we look at the risk and say, look, we need to do this. We think it's a really, really smart thing to do. Uh, it'll help reduce risk across our business and help us manage the business better. Um, those become no brainers as well. Um, and then I think there's just things we talked about that, that ecosystem and the look and feel, and there's other things that you do just because you're trying to create that experience and you have to invest in it. So those are not so much financial models to say this is going to get us a return of X uh, on the investment as much as it's part of creating that ecosystem and we're willing to invest in that because we think it's really important to running our business. Um, and you know, and to do that, you obviously need a, a good executive team. Um, you need a good board that is supportive of trying to grow your business for the long haul. So we do a lot of that as well. Um, and it's not, I would say it's not hard if you have the right type of management within your firm, but it certainly takes some creativity to be able to see what the vision is you're trying to create in that space. Um, so from the ones that are really straightforward to the ones that are a little less straightforward is kind of that, that continuum there that I just outlined. It's important that the different heads of the business all work together and communicate because technology affects all of them, even though they're not directly building or supporting the technology. 100%, right, right. I mean, we'd love to focus on growth things all day, right? That'd be great if everything we did was just to grow our business. But, you know, you're running a complex um, ecosystem um, from risk to, you know, to uh, to the financial side of your business and, and the operation side of your business, right? At the end of the day, is all those things are very, very important to piece together. Let me tease apart a couple of nuggets of wisdom shared in this last couple of minutes. You said, make conscious decisions. And there's, a, there's so much in just that little phrase. And I, I can't tell you how many clients we work with where they're sort of making, they're making their decisions are being made for them, or they're not really thinking about it as a decision. It just sort of happens. So as you mentioned, bringing all the, the leaders 
because of the organization together, they really think about, okay, we're putting a three-year roadmap. What are we doing? And why are we going with this way over this way? And having someone, you know, give you some criticism. Why are you doing that? And have to justify it. So each one of your decisions is consciously made rather than, oh, someone said that we don't even remember who decided on that particular thing. As opposed, we know why we did that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, you know, and I was you just made me think of something while you said that, because it, 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 like data, like we ask for data. We make sure when we have a contract with a vendor that we have access to data integration. Even if we don't know what we want to do with it, we want to make sure we can have it and that they can support it. And it goes back to those partnerships to say, we're thinking down the road because down the road, we may want that. And if they can't accommodate that or we're prevented from doing it, then that's a negative and maybe that's something we want to evaluate before we get into a relationship. So it goes back to that conscious decision is, look, we know where we're going to go and we think that having integration and having data is always going to be important to us, it becomes a foundation of what we do. Um, even if we don't think we're, you know, don't know what we're going to do with it today, we want to make sure we have. And that that's a great example of a conscious decision we make when we enter into partnerships and relationships with third parties. One thing we recommend to our clients is document your decisions, especially the big ones, but even the little ones, because the management changes, there's turnover and things go about years go by and people don't remember why they made a particular decision. So if you've, it's written down, you can see, oh yeah, here's at the time we had this, this, and this going on. So we chose this, that maybe that's no longer the case. This way you have a record of how that decision was made and what the justification was. So you know if that underlying environment changes, now we can change this particular system or this particular way of doing things. Yeah, I would I would agree hundred percent with that. Is and, and you know it's kind of fun. We go back and look at our old our old roadmaps and you know there's things that we did in there that never materialized. That's fine. That's you got to be bold, you got to be thinking out there, but there's a lot in there that we did. And we can go back and look at those and say this was what we wanted to do and we built towards it and we actually achieved it. And you should be able to see those things over time because, uh, you know, just like you said, is you've documented it, you've kind of written it down that it's what your goal was and you had a plan to get there. And then you got there over time. We're very much into integrations uh, at my company. We do a lot of research on integrations and a lot of work with clients integration. So always asking for that integration support from a vendor is key. We 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 wish more clients would do that and thinking ahead because you even if you don't need it today, you might need it in the future. And but even knowing to ask that question, a lot of firms don't know because they don't spend the time to talk to their vendors about these things, especially when it comes to switching vendors. We found some contracts are very anti-client where the vendors have all the control if you try to leave and you don't even own your own data. You've got to pay them to get it. So checking the contract for what your rights are when it comes to your own data is also important. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, right? Because it's like, why should you have to pay for your data? It's your data. And that's the right answer. If you ask that question and, and you hear anything other than it's your data, of course you can have it, then that, that tells you something. Because the good vendors, and I'll say the good ones, right? They understand that. It's your data. You should have access to it and it's yours. And you know, while well, you're right, they... They, they certainly want to make it harder to leave them. It shouldn't be because they're locking your data, right? That's that's just the wrong reason. We're almost out of time. And I wanted to get a couple of, of some um, interesting things that you, we had said in our prep call. Um, if there are three tips you could provide to uh, uh, C CTOs of other firms, or maybe they're, they're 
they're just starting out like you are, they're early, in the early days of their firm. What would those three tips be for building their tech stack and their ecosystem and their, their three-year roadmap? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is you're going to have to make some bets. And I, and I when I talk to, to those that are just starting out in the space, I think that's always the hardest one is, you know, you don't want to make a bet too early and on the, and the wrong choice, right? But you're going to have to make some bets. So look at where you want to build your core and you're going to have to partner or bet on what that strategy is and, and, you know, and be willing to do that um, because it's, it's, um, it's really hard if you're not willing to commit, right? So you got to commit someplace. Um, and the second thing is that, is that roadmap is, is take the time to know where you want to go. Um, it, it's, it's, you really can't get there. And I you always say you can use the house, you know, I have to build a foundation before I put the first floor, before I build the second floor, whatever analogy you want to use or visualization you want to use. Um, but it, but it applies, right? We're building technology, not for the sake of technology, we're building it to put it all together. So we need to have the plan of, of how we want it to be there. Um, I think the other piece is those, those vendor relationships. It's really important to have strong relationships and not be building everything yourself. So you're going to have to spend the time in the marketplace and evaluate who you want to be partnered with, um, where you, how you want to manage that relationship and where you want to leverage them to, to grow your business. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, and I think the, the third thing is that, you know, we're in a great we have a great advantage here that we can listen to advisors in in this space, right? It's it's uh, the advisors know the business very well. Um, they don't know technology typically, so the partnership there is: what do you need to run your practice? What do you need to run this business better to serve your clients better, and put together that ecosystem um, that creates and enables that experience for them. And I think that listening part is all is a really important part of that because we're not building things just for the sake of building them. We're building them to make the business better. And I think we've learned to be good listeners. Um, and it's really, it can be fun when you see how you can put things together and create things that you never thought possible. And uh, I think that's, that's, it takes a little while to get there. Uh, that, that wasn't the case in the early days. Uh, because you were block and tackling, but as you start to get and, and leverage your your environment, you really can do some amazing things uh, by listening. So you've really put on a master class here, and it's like an MBA class in how to be a CTO for a large uh, wealth firm. But we're out of time. I could have talked for another hour on some of this stuff because it's this is really what where we live and breathe. But we've got to wrap. Can you please let people know where they can find out more information about Hightower Advisors? Sure. Uh, you know, HightowAdvisors.com is our website. Um, and you can certainly find me um, on LinkedIn. And, uh, uh, you know, again, we really, uh, really proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And I appreciate the time today, Craig. And it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. No, no, I appreciate it. all mine for you to come here and share with us. It's, it's been super helpful. Thanks so much, Doug. Thank you. Hey, it's Craig again. Uh, here are my top three takeaways from this interview. Hightower built their their platform on Salesforce and inside Salesforce. And they built a customer-centric application, keeping all the navigation seamless, all the data sits in the same platform. One thing I tell a lot of our, our RIA aggregator, RIA TAMP broker deal clients is if all things are equal, an all-in-one solution is often the best, even though you may not get the best particular features and functionality in different areas, having all of your data in one place is invaluable. 
if you have the tech support team that can work out all the bugs and, and issues between integrating different applications, then sure, bring in different pieces and components um, to your heart's content. But if you don't, or if that's going to be an issue, it's better to have one vendor for more of your platform than not. Number two, question build versus buy. When would you do that? Uh, recommend building out a three-year roadmap for your firm, looking at outside tech on a regular basis, uh, always evaluating vendors. You don't want to let vendors sit for a couple of years and don't really talk to them, don't really check how they're doing because things will get stagnant. Um, you know, not every vendor does this, but some vendors will kind of forget about you. Not the good ones, but some of them will. If, if you don't talk to them, they won't necessarily be talking to you. And then you're missing out maybe on features that they have available. You don't know that, um, that they're using or different ways to use the technology. So keep in constant contact with your vendors. At least once a year, have a big uh, meeting to talk about how you're using the platform and how maybe they, you can use their software to differentiate. And building out a unique experience. Um, the market has is really well served by a lot of vendors. So let them compete for your business and let them help you build a unique experience. Um, you want to try to avoid just incremental improvements uh, for as, as, as though that's not the only thing you do, but try to look for ways you can leapfrog the competition if you're looking at new technology. All right. You've made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Thanks for listening. Please go to our website. EzraGroupLLC.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, analysis, links. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening and talk to you all again next time.